Well, I've had the privilege of being around a lot of stinky feet over the years. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever coached before. If you've coached before, if you've coached soccer before, you've been around stinky feet. If any of you coached uh, basketball, high school basketball, boys, have you been on a bus trip with boys? Have you been in a room with some of these boys? How many of you have ever been to a camp with a bunch of little kids that don't like to shower, they don't like to wash, and they wear rubber boots all day, and they have stinky feet? I've been around a lot of camps. How many of you have done youth group? Youth group events, when, when kids show up and they have to take their shoes off. Ay, ay, ay. Stinky feet. Kids club. I've been around a lot of stinky feet. In fact, I have a confession to make. I have stinky feet. I do, I tell you. Ask my wife. When I come home from soccer sometimes, especially in the summer, a dry day, and you get home, you just want to sit down and tell her that you won and how well you did. And uh, she's like, you want to just go take a shower first? Yeah. Or after a long day of work, those of you who wear uh, work boots, it can get pretty sweaty during the day, and you come home, and being a loving and kind and caring husband, honey, how was your day? And her reply is, go take a shower. Then we'll talk. So I have been around a lot of stinky feet, and stinky feet can be nasty. And this morning we're talking about some of these feet that had to be washed. So if you have your Bibles this morning, you can follow along, or we have it on the uh, slides here. We're going to be reading from John chapter 13. We're going to read three different portions, so we're going to read the first five verses in the NIV, and just follow along and listen to God's Word this morning. It's coming up, right? There we go. Good job. Thanks. So it was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God, and then he was going to return to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I'm going to stop there for now. So when I'm reading this the last few weeks, I've got a few questions, and I hope you have questions when you read God's Word. And And you kind of maybe know a little bit of the background and and what's going on. But here's some of the questions I had, and I still have, when I was reading this. Why did the disciples start the meal with dirty feet? Why didn't someone wash Jesus' feet? And why hadn't at least someone washed each other's feet? But we need to notice here that in verse 4, the meal was already underway. And then Jesus got up and began to wash his disciples' feet. Now, I'm not sure about you and your family situations, but I know even last Sunday, we had our kids over for Easter, for a barbecue, and we started talking about some things you shouldn't talk about during a meal. In fact, my daughter and I like this show called 
Dr. Pimple Popper. Anybody seen that show? Some of these people have big lumps on their back, and then they slip them open, and this cottage cheese comes <laughs> pouring out. And me and my daughter are talking like at, over dinner, like we, we have no problem, where some people are like, you know, whatever, right? And then she goes, Dad, you got to watch this other show. It's, it's the, uh, I, I got to make sure I get it right here. The Toe Bro. Have you seen that show? Anybody? The Toe Bro. Oh, man, these ingrown toenails. And they got to slice them and cut them. And, and some people have their, like a ram's horn of a, of, a, of a nail that comes off their big toe. And it's, it's great watching, but not good during conversation during a meal, right? You shouldn't talk about that, but me and my daughter don't have a problem. So I'm thinking about this, and Jesus, during the meal, gets up and decides to wash the dirty feet of his disciples during the meal. You know what it was like back then. They would come into someone's home. They would take their sandals off, and their feet were dirty from the the dust of the roads, right? Right? And they would sit down on these pillows and their feet would be kind of to the side, these low tables. And so the feet are really close to you. And it was custom for a basin and some water and a towel to be at the door and a slave to wash your feet. But during this occasion, there was no slave. And these disciples had dirty feet during the meal. And Jesus decides to get up and wash these dusty dirty feet. And I'm starting thinking, well, then did he go back and eat after that? Did he wash his hands in a different bowl? Like, you know, all these questions you have, you can't wash your hands in a dirty bowl with the the feet, right? So, but during the meal, he saw a need and, and he got up. And I'm thinking, why didn't the other disciples see this? Why didn't at least someone wash Jesus's feet? He's the guest of honor. He's the teacher. He's the master. Well, I think we need to look to Luke's version of the Last Supper. We're not going to read it, but I'm just going to tell you the references will be on the, on the screen there. But Luke's version of the Last Supper might help us understand what was taking place in this upper room. So the Lord had just announced that one of the twelve is going to betray him. And the disciples are discussing this, and they're like looking at each other like, surely it wouldn't be me. I wouldn't be the one that would, that would uh, betray you, Jesus. And someone else says, Lord, not me. And then someone says, never, I would never betray you. And, and then one guy says, well, it couldn't be me. And the other guy goes, well, what do you mean it couldn't be you? You think you're better than us? And the conversation would escalate and it kind of get heated. And, you know, that's kind of what the disciples did. You get 12 guys together and there's a lot of arguing. There's a lot of testosterone going on. And, you know, there's a pecking order, I'm sure, and they think they're better than each other. And this, because this wasn't the first time, so I'm not just making this up. This wasn't the first time the disciples had issues with each other. They were arguing one day when they're walking down the road, and they thought, okay, Jesus is behind them. He's not going to hear our discussion of, of, of who's better and, and stuff like that. And Jesus hears this discussion, and he teaches them a lesson on humility, childlike humility, and it's about serving, right? And then once the mother of James and John come to Jesus and say, oh, Jesus, you know, my sons are so, they're so, they're such young, nice men, and they're such good leaders, and they're such good people, and could one sit at the right hand of you, and one sit at the left hand of you? And Jesus like, no, we can't do that. It's not for me to say. 
And the disciples were outraged. How could you ask to be in this position? Do you really think you're better than us? Some of them wanted to be better than each other. I mean, it's just natural for when people are around. I mean, hey, I've played soccer on different teams. I've been on different committees. And you know what? There's like, I want to be a little bit better than you, and you want to be better than me. And it's hard to give each other compliments at times because, of course, when you compliment someone, it seems like you're putting yourself down. But you're not. We need to encourage each other. But not the disciples. They wanted to see who could be the greatest. And yet Jesus said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. To give his life a ransom for many. What I find interesting in this story is the disciples aren't arguing over, hey, I get to wash Jesus' feet. Get out of the way. Let me wash his feet. We didn't have that going on. No, why? They were thinking about themselves. They still didn't get it all this time. They're arguing about who is better, and they're, they're overlooking a common need that people's feet needed to be washed that day. Perhaps maybe one of them thought, oh, I could wash Jesus' feet, but then I'd have to get down and wash the rest of your feet. You know what? I'd have no problem going out here and washing my wife's feet this morning, but some of you, yeah, you know, I don't know you that well. It's a little bit, uh, maybe I should. Maybe I should go down and, no, I would never. I would give you a heads up if I was going to wash your feet. And I'm going to talk a little bit about foot washing a little bit later. But they still didn't get it. Jesus said, he came to serve. How can that be? He's the master. He's the teacher. And yet they're still looking out for number one. And who knows what conversation went on in that room. But no wonder Jesus got up, saw a need, and washed the dirty feet of his disciples. Wow. Jesus didn't just tell them a story. Jesus got up and acted out a parable. Because we've all heard actions speak louder than words. He got up and did it. What a challenge for us. Not just to talk about doing things, but to actually get up and do it. I know we all have good intentions. But Jesus had to get up and show these proud, arguing disciples about true humility. He literally got on his hands and knees and stooped down and washed their feet. I don't know if they had some of these diseases or if they had corns or if they had stuff on their feet. Like, we don't want to wash people's feet. Who knows what his feet have been? Jesus did that. And it's interesting that foot washing exposes the heart. And we're going to see two hearts exposed this morning. So when I was pastoring in Coronation, I've preached on this before about washing feet, and I'm like, how could this be relevant today? And so me being the pastor of the church, I invited three of the young people uh, from the congregation that came to youth, and I invited them up on the stage, and I washed their feet. I'm not sure how they felt, but to be honest, I kind of felt that I was a little bit, it was a little bit about me. Look at me, I'm the pastor of the church, and I can be humble, and I can wash these teenagers' feet. That's not what I meant, but maybe that's the way it came across. Now, I've been on the other side, too. 
when we were pastoring in, uh, in Millwoods, our small group did a foot washing on the stage, and someone washed my feet. Well, I'll tell you, the first thing I did was made sure my nails were all trimmed. I made sure I washed my feet more than once that morning. I made sure I had nice socks and nice shoes on. And it was so humbling to have another, a friend of yours get on their knees and wash your feet. And I know they weren't doing it for showboating. They honestly wanted to serve. But that kind of hit me more, being the one who was being served. And I'm not saying foot washing is wrong, and I'm going to discuss that a little bit later. But let's, let's continue on to this. Uh, in verse 6, we're going to pick it up. John 13, verse 6. Continue on in this story. So he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, my hands, my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, not every one of you is clean. Jesus takes off his outer clothing, puts a towel around his waist, and picture him washing the disciples' feet. The text doesn't tell us which order he washed their feet, but we know he got to Peter, and Peter protests. Jesus responds, and then Peter wants not just a foot washing, he wants a whole bath. But Peter never says, hey, let me do it. Give me the towel. He doesn't say, give me that basin. He doesn't say, I'll wash your feet, Jesus. I'll wash the disciples' feet. He doesn't ever say that. Maybe he was in shock. I'm sure he was. Why would Jesus want to wash my feet? In fact, when you look into the Greek words, it's a bit stronger than the English, of course. And the words you and my are put in more of a spirited position. As if Peter were saying this. You... My feet washing? And that doesn't even begin to grasp how Peter was feeling. The shock of Jesus, his master, the teacher, the Messiah, the one that he said he would follow forever, the one who said he would die for. How can you, Lord, wash the feet of someone like me? I imagine how humbling that must have been. It's, like, it's simply not right, Jesus. You can't do this. I'm not sure if you know, this is one of the longest recorded conversations between Jesus and Peter. And I'm not sure if a lot of you can relate to Peter. I know Peter is, you know, a little bit stubborn, and he just kind of speaks before he thinks sometime, and I, I can be like that. But here we have everything that Peter says be, seems to be wrong. He ex, his swings are from one extreme to the next. First, he's like, okay, wash, you're not going to wash my feet. Okay, not just my feet, but everything. 
So let's just break it down here. Peter seems to be confused. First he is shocked in verse 6. Then he flatly refuses in verse 8. And then he tells Jesus, wash his hands and his head too in verse 9. He speaks out of confusion, born out of frustration. There's misunderstanding. He doesn't know what's going on. It doesn't make sense. But God bless Peter. Because can't you see his heart in there? He wants to serve Jesus. He loves Jesus. If you're going to wash me, wash all of me. I want to be devoted to you. You can see his heart is exposed. Jesus, I don't know what's going on. But I love you. And I have devotion towards you. And then we see the heart of Jesus as well. Because Jesus is not about getting the glory. There's no glory in washing people's feet. It's a little bit different today. We look at the story in a different, in a, in a, in a modern day here. Back then, that was humiliating. To take on the task of a servant, a slave... Can't you see the heart of Jesus? He truly came to serve. He didn't care what they thought of him. He didn't care that he's the boss, supposedly. He's the master. He's, the he's God in the flesh. And he chooses to wash these dirty, dusty feet. We call this selfless serving. Now, if it took place today... Of course, we'd all have our phones out. Hey, someone's washing someone's feet. Let's take the pictures there. Hey, yeah, oh, this is so good. We're going to put this on, uh, you know, we're going to see how many likes we can get on Facebook or we can tweet it out and, and see how many of our friends and followers we get. And I mean, it's a great thing. Someone's washing someone's feet. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. But let's, let's take pictures of it and, and let's see how many likes we can get. And, and uh, perhaps we'll even make a wristband. Yeah. I wash dirty feet. How about that t-shirt? No more dirty feet. You know, it's something that you can wear, something to remember. I, hey, I was at the foot washing. I seen it. I recorded it. How can I personally benefit from this? I don't think we always think that way, but that's kind of the way it comes across. How can I benefit from this situation? Pastor Jeff refers to this as wearable charity which seems to be common this day. I'll do it if. I'll serve if. I think that happens in the church today too. I'll serve if people can see me serve. Or I'll serve if I get some recognition. I don't really want a pat on the back, but, but, but I'll serve. We're commanded to serve. But whatever happened to just serving when no one's watching? I know some of the things that go on in this church during the week that some people are cleaning and setting up, putting things away, tidy. No one ever sees that. When I was pastor of the church in a small church, I saw a lot of things. I saw a doctor who would go into the bathroom and fix something or clean up. Because he was on the board, and no one else had the time to do it, and he went in there. I, I saw people do little acts of kindness that no one even knew. No one else knew because God had stirred their heart to serve. 
It wasn't for the recognition. And what about anonymous giving? When we just give to someone in need, if you're in the grocery line or, or, or like I was going to mention later about for Beaumont when, you know, we were giving these cards out, remember that? And you can go through Tim Hortons and then you can pay for someone behind you and then give them the card just to say, hey, we're doing something. What happened to that? No, I've done that. No, no one knows who gave them the meal, who paid for their lunch. But God knows and God tells us and we need to be listening to God, opening our hearts Going out of our way, and here's a tough one in today's society, putting others first. Is that in your DNA? As a Christian, it should be. I know I've changed a lot since I was a teenager and became a Christian, and it just seems to be a part of a Christian's life now that I've seen. There's, there's a whole lot of people that I could mention their names that I look at them and I go, what a servant. They serve. They don't even want the recognition. They serve. It should be the DNA of a Christian is to serve others. Jesus told us, Jesus said, you also should wash one another's feet. And we're going to see this as we continue in verse 12 of chapter 13. So when he was finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who has sent me. There's a lot of discussion among scholars, biblical scholars, of, of what this means. That we should be washing each other's feet. Some scholars feel it should be every month. Just like we do communion. Or just like we baptize people, they think it should be an ordinance where we should continually be washing each other's feet. Because that's what Jesus said. You also should wash one another's feet. But I want you to look or listen to verse 12. I think it gives us a real clue to what Jesus is trying to say. Do you know what I have done for you? Duh, you washed our feet is the simple answer. But it's deeper than that. He set an example to serve one another. You know these guys that you're arguing with? Who's going to be greater in the kingdom of God? These guys that you've been discussing, who's going to sit in the left and right hand? You wash each other's feet. You serve each other. You look for needs and you serve. There was something greater because Jesus said, Do you know what I have done for you? Now, there's a whole lot of other scholars that believe that Jesus wanted to set an example of serving, that we don't need to wash each other's feet. Let's face it. In modern society, well, I hope most of us have a shower, hopefully maybe a bathtub. Surely you have a bowl at home so we can wash our feet, right? Not once have I had anybody show up to our small group 
with dirty, dusty feet. Hasn't happened yet. Maybe, okay, I'll be honest. On Thursday nights when they come over to our place, my work boots, they are in the garage. They're not at the front door. I don't want to scare anyone away. But never have anybody show up with dirty, stinky, dusty feet. In today's society, we don't need that. We have access to running water. We wear shoes. Well, sometimes we wear sandals. And maybe we wash our feet before we come. But we have access. And I think the big picture here, as most scholars agree, is Jesus is just setting, there's a basic need that needed to be met. And Jesus filled it. And we have people all around us who have needs. I've been struggling with this for the last three weeks. What is a modern-day version of foot washing? And as I'm driving around doing some deliveries during the week, I've been trying to think of all kinds of stories. And believe me, some of those stories you don't want to hear. They make no sense. But the one that I think makes the most sense, I'm going to just share it briefly. So just imagine with me. Use your imagination. Some of you are really good. I mean, I do have a mother-in-law who's over 80. But imagine that our family decided to take my mother-in-law out for her 80th birthday. 80, what a milestone. We take her to a fancy restaurant. We book ahead. We get a private room. We show up to the restaurant, and we're waiting. We're all excited. There's the chatter among the family. Oma's 80 years old. She's been so good, blah, blah, blah. Going to have a good meal. The host escorts us to our private room, opens the door, and we look inside, and it's chaos. There's food on the table still. There's food on the floor. Heck, there's hand marks on the wall. There's food everywhere. What a mess. Well, of course, his family were disgusted. I can't believe that they would do this to us. Why wouldn't they clean this up? The host is apologizing. It should have been cleaned. I'm so sorry. And we start to complain. At first, we're quietly complaining. Well, we better get a discount on our meal. You know, we better get some extra free appetizers or something. And then we get a little bit more bold, and we start complaining about how bad this place is. We should go somewhere else. Poor Oma, how she, where is Oma? Where did she go? And we look over at, under the table. There's Oma. 80 years old, Oma is under the table cleaning up the food, cleaning off the table, on her knees, cleaning up. Why? So we can enjoy a meal in her honor. Now, if that happened, I would feel horrible. I would be so embarrassed. I'd be the first one over there to, oh, my, come on, let us do that. But no, we think it's someone else's job. And they've ruined our occasion. And here is humble. And I can say this, because I know, I'm talking about Brenda's mom. She's never done this, but she's done things like this. A humble servant. She would be the first to get on her knees and clean up. I want to have that. You know, we have some opportunities coming up here. And we're running out of time, so we're going to go to the, the four Beaumont slide. Is one thing that we have done in the past. Just a simple way to serve. There's no reason we can't keep doing that. We don't have to have a little card to give. If you see a need, and if God, the Holy Spirit, is prompting you to help someone, to serve someone, then we do it. How many of you have been on our website, the church website? How many? I, you know, I just went on there on the weekend, and I was looking at it. 
And it looks great, by the way. I don't know who put that together. It looks really good. I'm not very technical savvy there, but it looks good. But under the get involved and serve locally, there's a quote by Albert, Albert Schweitzer that says, see if there's not some place where you may invest your humanity. You don't live in the world alone. Even if it's a little thing, do something for others. Something for which you get no pay but the privilege of doing it. And I'm going to close with this. It brings us to next Sunday. Next Sunday is our service day. What an opportunity for us to serve. And I know a lot of you do serving in different areas, but we're going to do it together. I can't wait to hear some of the stories. I bet you the pastoral staff can't wait to hear some of the stories. That It's not that we're out there to pat ourselves on the back. I know that. We are out there to serve and to see a need because God has called us to serve. He's commanded us to serve. And we get a a chance to live out what Jesus has commanded. I'll leave you with this. I hope you are involved next Sunday. As Pastor Marlow said, if if you have nothing planned yet, show up. There'll be something for you to do. But Jesus said this. You also should wash one another's feet. And that means we need to have the attitude of Jesus and humbly serve others. As a Christian, your DNA should be all about serving. Jesus came to serve. We need to serve.